Let us pray. Speak to us your word, O God, that we may clearly hear Jesus' call to be his disciples through the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Our gospel lesson today is from the gospel according to Mark, chapter 1, verses 14 through 20. Hear the words of the gospel. Now, after John was arrested, Jesus came to Galilee, proclaiming the good news of God and saying, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe in the good news. As Jesus passed along the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And Jesus said to them, follow me and I will make you fish for people. And immediately they left their nets and followed him. As he went a little farther, he saw James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John, who were in their boat mending the nets. Immediately he called them and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men and followed him. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. When the end of the game is near, when time is running out, when that clock is ticking down, every move matters. I am a fickle football fan. Some years I devotedly follow the Bills, and some years, like the last few, my interest not only wanes, but it drops precipitously. However, if there is something on the line, like the playoffs, well, I will go from disinterest to rapt attention in short order. And I even care about the outcome. And that was the case this year. You all know the story. The Bills actually had a chance to end their playoff drought. On New Year's Eve, they won their final regular season game, and now all they needed was a win by Cincinnati to make it happen. So there I was with my dearly beloved Brad and my esteemed colleague Mary Ann glued to the TV screen, suddenly caring not just about the Bills, but also the Bengals. Less than a minute left. Cincinnati was down by three, it was the fourth and 12, and this was it. Now or never. I watched it in resignation, knowing in my heart of hearts that this would end in disappointment. But I watched anyway. And then at the decisive moment, and I know you're all reliving this with me, <laughs> aren't you? Andy Dalton hit his man. I leapt out of my chair and let out a yell of disbelief as the Bengals came through. Now fast forward two weeks to the Vikings-Saints game. I once lived in Minneapolis. It's one of my favorite cities and I have family there, so of course, suddenly, even though the last 10 or 15 years I haven't really cared, this time I suddenly did. 10 seconds left. Final play of the game, Vikings down by one, 61 impossible yards to the end zone. I watched this one in resignation too. 
until the Minnesota miracle happened. All because some players kept their wits about them enough to recognize that this could be the decisive moment that would change the outcome. When it's all on the line, you become alive in a way that you're not at any other time. In sports, in competitions, in job interviews, in business decisions. Every time you stand up and fight for something bigger than yourself, every time failure is knocking at your door, every crisis, every big moment in life when everything is on the line, you feel it in every nerve ending from the top of your head to the tip of your toes. You know now is the time to respond, to get going, to act. And this is very much the sense that we get in the Gospel of Mark. It's a story that's very much in a hurry. Now, if you're the type that likes to linger for a while, to savor elaborate poetic phrases, to feast on a story filled with scrumptious details, well, then you are out of luck with Mark. For this gospel is in such a hurry, it contains no story of Jesus' birth. In fact, in the time that it takes the gospel of Matthew to list the genealogy of Jesus before they even get to that birth story, Mark has already gotten Jesus all grown up, had him baptized, sent into the wilderness to be tempted for 40 days, launched him into his public ministry, and alarmed the authorities enough to arrest John the Baptist and throw him into prison. That's fast. In today's Good News episode, everything happens immediately. 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 Immediately, Simon and Andrew leave their nets to follow him. Immediately, Jesus calls James and John. They leave their nets and off they go. It seems to me that speed resonates with life today. How many of us have said, our children grow up so fast? How many of us have seen a child get on the bus for kindergarten one day, and the next year packing up the van to move them to their own apartment? How many of us rush from one thing to another to manage all the demands on our time? How many of us are juggling schedules like crazy to make it all work? How many of us are instantaneously responding to floods of texts and emails and expect everyone else to do the same? And I was speaking the other day with a communications professional about the lightning speed of change that social media and technology have brought in just the past five years. And how much catch-up work the church has to do to connect with youth and young adults in this fast reality. Now, my one small consolation was that she said, businesses are also reeling from such rapid shifts. They haven't caught up either. So it's nice to know we're not alone. 
And if we want to meet young people where they're at, if we want to share our good news stories in ways that all generations are able to receive, then perhaps we might pay attention and get ready to pick up the pace and respond nimbly where we're called, just like in Mark's gospel. Now his account of Jesus hurries along quickly, and it does so with especially sparse language. But let's not mistake brevity for lack of depth and meaning. Its rapid pace is part and parcel of the story. Ted Smith likens it to an alarm clock, persistently declaring the time and demanding some response. It's so swift, in fact, that it's easy to jump right to the fishermen with their nets and totally miss the decisive moment that Jesus announces, even though it's right there for all to hear. The time is fulfilled, and the kingdom of God has come near. It's not just any old time, it's Kairos time the right time, the opportune time, the decisive time, God's time. It suggests that God's time is completed and brought to perfection, filled to overflowing beyond every expectation. And paradoxically, even though it's complete, notes Elton Brown, this gospel story is just beginning. Karl Barth said the mission of Jesus actually brings the fullness of time with it and not vice versa. The time is fulfilled and the, God's kingdom is present now in Galilee, in ordinary Galilee, which is the place where most of us live, writes Scott Hosey. Most of us live in the Galilees of the world, in those places where the powers that be do not visit and that they don't know much about more often than not. These are, says David Lowe, settings of disappointment and betrayal, violence, and apparent failure, not what anyone expected. The time is now. Have you noticed that theme running through our own Galilean headlines? If you watched the Golden Globe Awards during the week between Andy Dalton's gift to the Bills and the Minnesota Miracle, you saw lots of celebrities wearing black and adorned with pins that said, time's up women in entertainment who are standing up against mistreatment of women in the workplace have called this the Time's Up movement. The clock has run out on sexual assault, harassment, and inequality in the workplace, they say. It's time to do something about it. And another. Yesterday I listened to an interview with organizers of the Women's March. The time is now, they said, 
to give every woman a voice and a vote and the power to live a life free of oppressive structural barriers. Women from Third Church who called themselves Persisters marched at Seneca Falls yesterday to add their voices to say, now is the time. And in her powerful, powerful Me Too statement in court on Friday, gymnast Allie Raisman said to the world and to the one who abused her, now is the time to find out what went wrong and how it can be avoided. Abusers, your time is up, she said. And I get opportunities all the time to connect with social justice activists around Rochester, to tackle the insidious and systemic effects of racism and poverty on housing and education and economic opportunity. And the question I keep hearing is, where is the community outrage? The system we have right now, one said, is perfectly designed to get the results that we're getting. It's time now to radically reorient ourselves towards justice for our segregated community. This is our own Galilee. And it doesn't really feel like the kingdom of God is near, just as I imagine the four fishermen felt in ancient Galilee, where Rome was in power. And yet, the gospel tradition that forms our faith says it is indeed. Wherever Jesus goes and his disciples follow him, the kingdom of God is near. On Tuesday evening, the session and the deacons of this church met jointly as they do once a year. Katie Oram led us in a discussion of an article with predictions about the future church. And at my table group, much of the conversation was about what that means when we ourselves are rushing around to meet the many demands on our time. At a very practical level, how do we follow the urgent mission of Jesus when we have a job to get to, another after-school practice, another doctor's appointment, another family obligation, another crisis to attend to? It's daunting, if not outright impossible. So when all else fails, it's always good to go back to the gospel to get our grounding. And Ted Smith clarifies what Mark is saying. In calling the Galilean fishermen to discipleship, Jesus does not just ask them to add one more task to their busy lives. He calls them into new ways of being, a new identity. When Jesus tells Simon and Andrew and James and John, follow me, he doesn't mean I will make you fish for people as if it's another task to be done. He means I will make you to become fishers of people. In other words, I will give you a whole new identity so that when you follow me, 
Everything you do will flow out from who I have made you to be. I suppose it's kind of like muscle memory or a reflexive response, that when the time to respond is now, we can and we are able to, by living out who we already are as followers of Jesus. I grew up on music by Chicago. Now many of a certain generation will recognize the lyrics I'm about to quote. Listen to some of them in the light of the gospel story. As I was walking down the street one day, a man came up to me and asked me what the time was that was on my watch. Yeah, and I said, does anybody really know what time it is? Does anybody really care? If so, I can't imagine why we've all got time enough to cry. And a little bit later in the song, I was walking down the street one day, being pushed and shoved by people trying to beat the clock. Oh, I just don't know. I don't know. And I said, yes. I said, does anybody really know what time it is? Does anybody really care? Friends, Scripture's answer is yes. Jesus knows and has told us the time is now. It is fulfilled. The kingdom of God has already broken through. Amen.